Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale September 7th, 2022. And I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm running solo, baby! Yeah, get ready for some unhinged Agent M action this episode. I'm going to be solo for the main part of the episode for the first, I don't know, half hour or so. Uh, because our wonderful co-host, uh, Jasmine Estrada, she has the covid and we had to force her to go rest and not record uh so get ready for more agent m than anyone cares for in any one concentrated period of time but that's okay because later on we are going to have an amazing reading club and a special guest host i'll get into all that because this is the official marvel podcast for marvel comics where we run you through every brand new marvel issue each week with some picks i've got jasmine's pick she gave me her pick, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll give our three picks. Then we're going to give out an award. I chose the award name myself this week with no one else to to sort of uh, check me on it. So deal with it, fools. And then uh, we're going to give out those awards. We're going to tell you what's on Marvel Unlimited, what Infinity Comics are coming out this week, what collections are on sale this week, and then get into that reading club. The reading club is really cool. We have Afosu Jones-Corte, a.k.a. Born Eye, who is uh, a wonderful podcaster and thinker and voiceover artist and, and so much more but he's brilliant we, we talk about wolverine the 1982 limited series by frank miller and chris claremont holy moly how are we only getting to that now i can't wait for y'all to hear that it was a great conversation and we were so lucky to be joined by guest host amy Dolan. many of you heard amy recently with us talking about some new books and we got to talk with her again um to talk about wolverine so she's terrific it's all gonna be great that's gonna be later in the show but first things first we got to get into our picks of the week so first up i'm gonna give y'all jasmine's pick of the week it is captain america sentinel of liberty number four this issue is written by jackson lansing and colin kelly art by carmen carnero lettering by vc's joe caramagna colors by nolan woodard and the first page in this issue is naked Steve Rogers, baby. Uh, yes, it is Steve Rogers taking a shower. All right, get your minds out of the gutter. He's cleaning himself up. It's him. A lot of thinking, a lot of perspective in stuff in this issue, um, which is one of the things I am particularly most loving about this series is how much we're getting into Steve's head and heart and mind and those around him in this series. It's really a beautiful character piece. Uh, there's a, a moment in here where Steve walks one of his neighbors to school, a young boy named Amari, who he's been teaching some self-defense to and, and talking about why they're learning self-defense and why they have strength and what that means to them. And it's, it's like such a Captain America moment. Also so cool just seeing Cap with the shield slung over his back, but in his little like shield backpack. So my favorite moment in this issue, though, is the conversation that Bucky and Steve have. It will break you. It's it's so sweet and so uh, wonderful. There's also, of course, big action in here, big moments uh, for Steve's mission. There's a lot of mysteries going on in this series. Carmen Canero does this double page spread in here where you're following Cap fighting this this thing. I don't want to give it away. This thing in an alleyway. It's so beautifully choreographed and intense. And the way that it is structured in terms of a fight, the way that Cap reacts to things, pushes forward, it's really beautiful stuff in the resolution, especially. I love the way this fight ends and what it means going forward for this series. I'm digging the hell out of where we are with Captain America comics right now. We've got two great Cap series. It's got a lot to sort of lead us into a lot of things going forward. We know in the future... There's some big stuff happening in Captain America books. We teased it during Comic-Con. But next issue, the cover for this is really cool. Seeing a bunch of different Captains America. What that means, we shall find out. But great pick by Jasmine. Great issue all around. All right. My first of two picks is New Mutants number 29. I feel like I've picked New Mutants a lot lately. You know why, y'all? Because it's really damn good. This issue written by Danny Lore, art by Guillermo Sana, colors by Dan Brown, lettering and production by VCs Travis Lanham. There are pretty much three characters in this issue. You've got uh, Gabby Kinney, aka Honey Badger, previously, now aka Scout. And you have James Proudstar, aka Warpath. And we have Akihiro, who is Dokken, who now in um, the pages of Marauders maybe has a new identity. But there's a lot been going on, and I think 
this one, similarly to what I talked about for Captain America, getting into the character and the feelings and the the head of characters, a lot of that is interior uh, captions and and interior monologue from Cap in that book. In this one, we're getting a lot of what is going on in Akihiro's head in his conversations with Jimmy Proudstar, with Warpath. They're both these siblings who have dealt with some wild stuff in their families. Dokken, um was once killed by his dad, Logan, Wolverine. That's a big deal, but he's gotten past that. He's got two amazing sisters in uh, Wolverine, a.k.a. Laura Kinney, in Scout, a.k.a. Gabby. Uh, they have been going through stuff while they've been on Krakoa, but in particular, Gabby went through some really nasty stuff with the Shadow King in previous issues of New Mutants. And as Akihiro here coming in and sort of like, dealing with the guilt of him not being there, of the family, of loss, of of his own personal feelings that he's going through. This just works out really well to be a beautiful character study of Akihiro, but also some really gnarly, awesome mutant versus Orcus brutal beatdowns, some fun stuff for all you Gabby fans out there, some cool stuff for Warpath fans, seeing how his perspective on his brother coming back, what that means to him, how that has affected his relationships and his place in things. I'm a big fan of these characters and letting them just breathe. And it all feels so real and so wonderfully realized and adds a whole bunch to their mythos. And I heartily, heartily endorse it. Third pick of the week, and I went back and forth on a whole bunch of books. There were like four books I could have chosen this week uh, to, to be on my list, four or five. And so I just, you know what I said? You know what? I am going with She-Hulk number six, written by Rainbow Rowell, art by Luca Maresca, colors by Rico Renzi, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Beautiful covers, beautiful design. First shot opens in on a bakery, and you've got She-Hulk in a stunning yellow dress where she's just looking at dessert saying, yeah, sure, I'll try the cheesecake. This beautiful opening spread. And then you get conversation between She-Hulk and Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat. This issue, again, I think I'm in, I've got a theme going on that I didn't even realize. I'm all about character stuff this week. There's great action and a lot of wild stuff happening in a ton of books, including the ones I've talked about. I'm sinking my teeth into the stories that are all about relationships and, and, and conversations and things that build on a lot of the stories for our characters without having to get into all the punchy, punchy bits. We get great stuff in here between Jen Walters and Mallory book, which is a long running thing going back uh, over, you know, 15, almost 20 years, 20 years, gosh, uh, to previous law stuff, but that has been building here. Mallory book is Jen's boss. She doesn't want to have superhero law, but like Jen's like, it's my bag, baby. This is what I do. I'm big and green and awesome. And how that resolves itself in here. But more importantly, there's another character at play in the Jen Mallory situation and that conversation, that scene rainbow crushing it with Things that I didn't know I wanted, didn't know were possible, giving them to me, just making me fat on all the beautiful, wonderful desserts that are in this issue. It's really fun. On top of that, we get some big moments for the She-Hulk and Jack of Hearts situation. I'm trying not to spoil things. Luca Maresca draws beautiful characters. I will I will say that. He draws very handsome uh, men, very beautiful women in these situations where they're not in big spandex costumes and punching giant aliens and stuff. It's just a lot of hanging out and sitting down. So there's a lot of necessity for acting, for emotions, for facial expressions, for little subtle movements, for the way people are sitting. And it's depicted so perfectly throughout all of this. All right. Those were our three picks of the week. And before we get into all the other comics, I'm going to have to give out awards to them. So we got to talk about award stuff, some community stuff, some United States of Polis. First up, last week's award was forget the pastry, you chump. And that was from The Variants, number three, a great line. And the winner, the first person to find it and send it to us was our pal, Karis Pollard. Karis found it in her books and also sent a wonderful picture of her doggo, Layla, looking probably hungry. If I've seen a dog, 
99% of the time, that dog's hungry. And uh, Layla uh, looking terrific there. So thank you for that, Karis. I want to give out some honorable mentions and shout outs. Previously, we, we read an email from Joe Hoffman. Thank you again for this lovely new email, Joe. And then Joe suggested something. He says, maybe sometime you can have Jason Aaron on your show to discuss War of the Realms. I just finished reading the six issue series. It's awesome on Marvel Unlimited. And now I'm finishing up all the supplemental stories that were published as various comics to support the fantastic core War of the Realms story. It's amazing how many tie-in stories there are. And it must have been quite an effort on Jason's part and everyone else's part at Marvel who worked on this saga to put it all together. Maybe sometime you all could go into the making of this saga during your reading club segment. I think it could be epic, pun intended. Joe, thank you for that one. That's a great suggestion. Uh, I'll be completely honest. War of the Realms is one of my all-time favorite series. It is of a recent vintage, but I love it so much. I got a War of the Realms tattoo. If you didn't know that, uh, Jason Aaron and I have complimentary tattoos. We put out a video. You can find it on Marvel's YouTube channel. We did an episode of This Week in Marvel about that. Um, we did a bunch of content on This Week in Marvel about the making of War of the Realms and some behind the scenes and um, some aftermath stuff around when that series came out. So you can you can definitely go into the feed for those and find that out. Um, also, just in terms of how a, an event is made, we're going to have writer Kieran Gillen who's doing the current Avengers X-Men Eternals Judgment Day series. We're going to have him on This Week in Marvel, and we do get into sort of how you make a giant event comic book series for Marvel, so that might be of interest to you, Joe. But yes, I, I would love to have Jason back to literally talk about every book he's worked on. I got a couple of tweets in here from the tech lord at Lex Pendragon from last week's episode. He says, minor statement on Marvel's pull list. Agent M describes a character as super hot, which hit me in a weird way. There are lots of characters I think are super hot, but that whole, that person is more than just their looks, you bleep voice kicks in. Hearing Agent M say it, since I consider him one of the most respectful and not a bleep people, makes me feel not so bad when I react that way to a character. It's like getting permission to enjoy Enchantress's outfits, even if she's the worst. And he finishes by saying, also, they're not people. It's fiction. They were created to be looked at. But still, Lex, I fully agree with you. It is a weird thing to be like, that character's hot uh, because, you know, one, hot is subjective. But Lex, this dude, Guts and Glory was the character uh, I mentioned. He's just got a vibe. It's a very cable vibe meets like Brooklyn hipster circa 2003. I don't know. I guess I have a type. I thought he was hot. Enchantress is like always drawn super hot. What are you going to do? It's the way it goes. All right, let's move on. We got a tweet in here from Ian at the guard Ian on Twitter who says, I'm tired of Agent M and Jasmius continuously recommending amazing comics. Their talk with Preeti Chibber about Spidey made me decide to pick it up for a first read through on Marvel Unlimited. I'm only on issue three and I'm hooked. Thank you all. Ha ha, Ian, our plan has worked. We're making you read good comics. Over on the United States of Polis, which if you are just joining us, we are compiling a list of comic shops throughout these great United States and beyond. And so we'd love to hear from you where you get your local comics. We got a great email from Corbin, August, and Madeline. They said, shout out to Neighborhood Comics in Savannah, Georgia. Hopefully we made it on the map. And um, they were a little late on their previous quote of the week email, but that's okay. We did not forget you, Corbin, August, and Madeline. Thanks for sending that in. We'll definitely put them on the list. If I'm ever in Savannah, I will look them up. All right. On to this week's award name. Um, I, again, went rogue, went solo on this one. So this week's award name is I Choose Cold Grapes and a Hot Mouth. So if you find this quote, screen cap it and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's Pull List or email us at pullist at marvel.com. If you're among the first, keep your DMs open, check your email. I will get back to you, maybe send you something fun. Who knows? We'll find out. All right. So time to get into all the new comics this week and give out that wonderful saucy award. First up is Axe Death to the Mutants. Number two this week is all about uh, some Eternals and X-Men stuff that's been going on. The Eternals fighting the mutants. There's a big turning point in here for uh, the battle against the Eternals. Some new people enter the fray. 
But I will say I'm going to give my I Choose Cold Grapes and a Hot Mouth award to poetry and how uh, that sort of plays a role in the story and who is behind said poetry in this issue. We have Alien Number 1 this week. It's a new Alien series, uh, also written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, who had been writing the previous series. This gets us, uh, there's a little bit of a time jump. One of the things I love about all these Alien stories is how it takes the Alien continuity from the movies and now the movies and puts it together. You get a great description of all the events in this Alien universe right at the top of the book in the credits page. And we see where this fits in, uh, when this fits in, I should say, toward in relation to previous events. But I want to give my I Choose Cold Grapes and a Hot Mouth Award to the like team that's in here. There is a team that has to be sort of brought together to go against the Xenomorphs, aka the aliens. And it's something I've never experienced. I can't say I'm well-versed in all aliens mythology. I've seen all the films and I've read all of our comics, but it's something um, this team that is put together who they are and what they mean in the scope of the alien universe. Super cool. Also brutal. There's one of the team members just like destroying like stormtrooper looking dudes. It's a brutal issue as expected. It's an alien comic. It's really good. Nearly one of my picks. Big launch this week with All Out Avengers number one. Um, Derek Landy, who has been doing some really fun stuff, brings his it's like very fast paced, action oriented uh, style to All Out Avengers. And you got Greg Land on art. Um, I'm going to give my I Choose Cold Grapes and a Hot Mouth Award to the fulfillment of the concept of a big action packed, fast paced knock them down, you know, Avengers title. You've got here a like a possessed Captain Marvel beating the ever loving crap out of Thor and, and all the Avengers getting into it, a big menace that's in there, um, all kind of done in one. While there are threads that we know will continue going forward, I, I like how it feels like a complete big action packed Avengers epic in one issue. So kudos to them for nailing that. Black Panther number nine out this week kicks off a new story arc called Range Wars. And man, T'Challa been through some stuff. A lot of it of his own making, 95% of it of his own making. But still, my dude is is reeling a little bit here. So he's back on the Avengers in this storyline. I want to give my I Choose Cold Grapes and a Hot Mouth Award to the awful, 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 awful new villain in here. The big, big nasty villain in here is called the colonialist and it's a lot it's beautifully rendered uh in here by herman peralta beautiful beautiful art throughout john ridley doing some really great stuff it there's some like humor to it some tongue-in-cheek stuff but also very very dark and uh very dangerous for t'challa and the avengers a different tone from the previous arc, but still very much following up on everything that's been building here. And John's been doing some really cool stuff with Black Panther. Again, another one of my near picks for this week. Speaking of almost picks for this week, I, get, I told y'all, a lot of great books this week. We have issue six of Ghost Rider, which is legacy number 249. Big, big numbers there. Uh, this is Ghost Rider versus Wolverine, as you see on the cover. There is definitely some Ghost Rider versus Wolverine action in here. I will not say that that's not happening, but there's more to it than that. I got to give my I Choose Cold Grapes and a Hot Mouth Award to uh, Brain Surgeon Wolverine. I'll leave it at that. This is my favorite issue of the, the core series right now. I I could have picked this one. Oh, so good. It's nasty as hell. You get Ben Percy writing Wolverine in here as he does in several other books. He's just having a good old time. All right, we got some more Axe Judgment Day tie-in issues this week. We've got Immortal X-Men number six. Absolutely loving the Immortal X-Men series. Each one sort of following, mostly spotlighting a member of the Krakoan High Council, but at the same time, giving us a, a big wide perspective of what's going on in Krakoa. And a big thing going on in Krakoa right now is the invasion by the Eternals. So we get a lot of personal character building stuff for Sebastian Shaw in here, while also getting some judgments for a number of mutant characters. You want to know how destiny is judged by the progenitor celestial? This is the issue to find out about it. Uh, we got Sinister being Sinister. Kieran Gillen writes a wonderful Sinister 
a whole lot of stuff in here that I dug. Oh, the Emma Frost bit. Ooh, I'm like scanning through the issue now, remembering all the moments. I will probably pick Naked Sebastian Shaw beating the crap out of something as my I Choose Cold Grapes in a Hot Mouth award. But there's also a great conversation between Sebastian Shaw and Eros, a.k.a. Star Fox. Um, Get ready for lots more Star Fox starting this week. He's everywhere. And while I say Star Fox is everywhere, he is not in the pages of Marauders number six. But still, Marauders number six, it's great. And oh, man, this issue is so good. I've read these like a week ago, y'all. And this one reminded me in the best way possible of the classic X-Factor issue, X-Factor 87, which we've talked about here on the show a number of times. It's the uh, psychiatrist issue where the team goes through and, and, and talks to Doc Sampson, um, really big character stuff. In this one, there is a character named Birdie who helps out the Marauders team. And it's a great use of some of the team's powers and how they work through some issues that they have, and it all ties into the judgment of the Celestial in here. It is big, big character stuff with lots of, you know, some things getting stabbed in the head and things covered in blood and eyes gouged out on top of really wonderful and sad, sweet character moments. Love this issue. Another banger from Steve Orlando and crew. Moon Knight number 15 is out this week. I will give my I choose cold grapes and a hot mouth award to the the way we dig into the multiple personalities of moon knight throughout this one and and seeing them how they're interacting at this point in the character's life and what that means for his relationships in particular and everything that he's trying to do with the midnight mission and beyond Um, great issue let us move on to new fantastic four number four in here I'm going to give my I Choose Cold Grapes and a Hot Mouth Award to Peter David just having fun. It's just a, a there's a great moment in here where a priest is sort of he's got superpowers and he's freaking out about everything going on around him. And he's riding on the back of Ghost Rider's motorcycle. And then Mephisto pops up and he goes, so Satan and Mephisto's like, not quite. It just it's kind of funny and delicious. There's brutal moments of Wolverine fighting a possessed human torch and gorgeous, gorgeous artwork by Alan Robinson and Mike Spicer. It's a good classic throwback new Fantastic Four issue. And you know what? And I'm going to give my I Choose Cold Grapes in a Hot Mouth Award to colorist Mike Spicer because the textures on the colors um, on top of Alan's incredible art, uh, as I go through it here, I'm just... There, I can almost feel them. I want, I want this to be printed on a really interesting paper stock so I can feel it. We've got Punisher number six this week, which I'm not going to give too much away. I'm just going to say and give my I Choose Cold Grapes and a Hot Mouth Award to Punisher versus Ares, God of War. Big throwdown in this issue. Does not disappoint. It is intense. And uh, ends in a very interesting way. We'll see how this plays out as the series goes forward. Also, there's some just nightmare stuff in this issue. Be ready for it, everybody. This week includes Spider-Man 2099 Exodus Omega number one, the conclusion of the Spider-Man 2099 Exodus series of of issues we've been doing over the last couple of months. Uh, We finally get to see Spider-Man 2099 with his crew go up against the Galactic Goblin. And I'm going to give my I Choose Cold Grapes and a Hot Mouth Award to the big brouhaha at the core of this issue. You've got a ton of characters, some who seemingly may not survive or at least are much worse for the wear at the end of it. Um, There's a great moment of entrance for a group in here and and what that means. And I was like, oh, now I want more parts of this universe and see where all this plays out for these characters as well. So cool. If you've been digging this, this is a really fun finale. Star Wars number 27 is out this week. The, The core of this one follows these two Empire officers or basically two folks who were working on the second death star and they are a couple they're married and it is about them trying to escape from the empire and they're like this is not good bad scene everyone's fault we gotta go it is a harrowing story it is everything that charles soul does it's it's got all the star warsiness it's got heart it's got 
uh, action. It's intense, but it's all wrapped up into this one issue. One of my favorites of the recent Star Wars comics. It feels very logical and real, but nonetheless, I was it was riveted by the story at this because there's kids involved and see like thinking about what that means. I, I will give my I choose cold grapes and a hot mouth award to all the family stuff in this. Those characters, the the husband and wife empire folks in here, their relationship, the way it's depicted on the page. Wonderful, beautiful. I love it. Wolverine number 24 is out this week. This is also an Axe Judgment Day issue. Uh, This one is really interesting because it ties into the Ten of Swords storyline that Wolverine had going on and how he got the the blades, um, his battles and adventures with Solem, this new sort of uh, rival of his from Arako, and what that character has been up to, seeing them come into it. The repercussions of their uh, adventure, quote unquote, that they had back during Ten of Swords. There's a whole bunch of moments in here that I absolutely loved. I I, I guess what I want to give my I Choose Cold Grapes and a Hot Mouth Award to is the art as a whole. Uh, of course, Benjamin Percy doing great, but we've got Federico Vicentini on here, who I think Federico previously, the last thing we saw was the, um, you know, ex-deaths of Wolverine stuff that he'd done. So having him come back here, it feels big. It feels like Federico coming in, telling this cool story. He draws gnarly stuff in hell, big fight between Wolverine and Solem. There's some hot, sexy bits and pieces in here. There's nasty, gnarly monster stuff. Of course, there's the giant celestial. It's got everything. Really good. Love it. And finally, rounding out all the new issues this week is X-Men and Moon Girl number one. This is the big conclusion for our Moon Girl storyline that we've been doing with uh, Moon Girl teaming up with various characters. There's a lot to love about this one. There's a lot of funny moments in here. Uh, I choose the I choose cold grapes and hot mouth award I'd like to give to this is uh, is Moon Girl's disguise solution for her. Havoc and Wolverine. Um, where they go is a blast. What they need to do, where they're what they're trying to achieve, so much fun. It is both high stakes, but also you've got a nine-year-old super genius here at it. So it there's also some some lightness to it. The way she solves their problem is terrific, and I I laughed a whole bunch in the best way possible. I will say the final page of this was a big oh. Tell me more, which is great. It'll tee up some stuff that I'm sure you'll be hearing about very soon if you stay up and current with all our upcoming uh, Marvel stuff. That right there are all the new issues. Apologies, you had to hear just me this week, but I did a lot. Which means it is time to get on to what collections are on sale this week. We've got an X Factor by Peter David Omnibus. I was just talking about X Factor number 87. Uh, surely that will be either in this Omnibus or a future one. Uh, I want to point out how to read comics the Marvel way, which is a really cool new story. It's a that collection is in a digest size format. I think it's it's really neat. Y'all will definitely dig that. It's a, it's a fun story. Definitely check it out. So some good collections. Of course, we've got to talk about Marvel Unlimited Infinity Comics. There are great issues for Test Kitchen, X-Men Unlimited, Avengers Unlimited. Shout out to Mirwa and Doton, uh, the creators who are working on Avengers Unlimited. We hear you. I, was, I saw your email to Jasmine. Um, you're listening to the show. Thank you. Hopefully we're keeping you current over there on all the comics goings on uh, when you're in Nigeria. Spider-Verse Unlimited. I believe this is the last issue, the last part of the Penny Parker storyline, which is so good. Oof. All the stuff I talked about, character stuff. Oh, nails it. Ken Yamura really crushes it. Go read, binge all those pieces on Spider-Verse Unlimited in Marvel Unlimited. We've got uh, Marvel's Voices, America, Jane Foster, and the Mighty Thor coming to Infinity Comics and Love Unlimited, Millie the Spy. But maybe the biggest release in all of entertainment for this year, 2022, it's Jeff! Season 2 launches this week, baby. We've got three issues of It's Jeff, the Infinity comic that has taken the world by storm. The Eisner Award nominated It's Jeff by Kelly Thompson and Girohiro 
it's just it's perfection it is everything you want if you do not already have a marvel unlimited subscription now is the time you get a lot of it's jeff 15 issues of it's jeff now in marvel unlimited praise be all right and also on marvel unlimited this week of course we're adding new issues every freaking week we've got issue two of x-men 92 house of 92 issue three of strange which we absolutely love that series issue two of knights of x which has been terrific issue six of black panther and so much more you can get the full list over on marvel.com now of course lots of issues going into marvel unlimited also includes some backfill issues i think we may have some issues of the 1980s thing series going in there and over on the marvel comics app i know for sure we're adding a ton of 90s aliens comics to the service so if uh, you still buy your comics one by one digitally you could check those out so that's good that, that bodes well for us getting collections and really cool stuff so i'm looking forward to reading a whole bunch of those very very soon but right now what i want everybody to do is to make sure they are all caught up and read on the 1982 wolverine limited series by frank miller and chris claremont truly one of the the marvel classics if you've never read it now is the time we have a big big discussion because we are joined by guest host amy dolan who helps us talk about it with our guest afosu jones corte aka born i who is here uh is just wonderful lots of insight we get a little deep y'all it's a great conversation talking about wolverine in our reading club right now All right, we're going to pop some claws and talk about some meditation here on this episode of Marvel's Pull List with our guest, Afosu Jones-Corte. Hello, Afosu. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. Afosu, uh, we actually have a mutual friend um, who connected us, uh, yeah. Max Gibson, who's a producer on your podcast, I believe. That's right, on the Well-Balanced podcast. He knows just through casual conversation, like how much comics have meant to me my whole life. And um, mm -hmm. I think he f he thought it was, this would be a no-brainer to introduce us. So I'm super happy it happened. Can you talk about that a little bit, about like your origins with comics and, and you know, when you started reading, did you go to a comic shop, where you started reading and wow. like, you know, what were the books that first hooked you? <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so my comics journey goes back to like late 80s, early 90s. So way back in the day, used to be able to just go to a 7-Eleven and there'd be like this mm -hmm. rack and uh, and comics would be like sitting on the rack for... I want to say like a dollar or uh, uh, something like that. And um, so that's kind of how I, my dad was infamous for making um, quick store runs to 7-Eleven for, uh, for anything. And so anytime he would go, I would just like tuck along with him and, um, and I'd grab a comic. And so I got introduced to Dr. Strange, Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four, Namor, and then the X-Men the X-Men were, were pretty, like, special for me, but when Jim Lee took over the X-Men in, uh, um, in the 90s, that's when my head kind of exploded, yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Like, what, what was so special about it for you? Something about the art and the storytelling was just, everything just really, really clicked. I mean, Wolverine had already become probably my favorite superhero by that time. I mean, all those guys, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane with uh, Spider-Man, all those guys, you know, I was really, really taken by the art and it inspired me to start drawing. So I'm an only child and a lot of my time as a kid was just spent alone playing with toys, reading comic books. And um, I used to trace Silver Surfer and yeah, I think maybe because his body he didn't have he didn't have elaborate costume so i could trace silver silver surfer and like try to draw um him as like a figure and like make him into my own figures and my own my own characters i really got into the art when i was young young and then seeing how that new crop of guys jim lee in particular jim lee and rob liefeld in particular just was super inspiring 
Uh, Amy, I want you to be able to jump in a second, but I have to I have to say that uh, Fosu, I'm turning 42 in January, so a couple okay. months away. But like same, very similar age. Uh, I'm a an only child. I was a, of a single parent, so I read uh-huh. comics. You know, I had that like a lot of similar experiences. Same comics thing. Like I love that. You know the comics has these connection points to to kids of of our generation i know you know amy and jasmine they're they're wee babes but (laughs) you know for us for the old timers here i like i fully get it i fully like i as you were talking i was like yes me yes me yes me very similar things it was was great i feel so seen okay awesome and i do think i've I've got a deceptive baby face i come in with the animated series not far behind Mm. y'all um but i do think that the way that we relate to comics i've heard so many things from from folks who either got them from their siblings were only children or uh moved a lot that was sort of the case for me and like my my dad would when we were very young i was an army brat um, and I've talked to so many folks who were sort of like, everywhere you went, comics were there. Um, yeah. And people to talk about comics with were a way of connecting to folks. Um, and then they invented the internet and we all had people to talk about comics with. <laughs> but uh, until then, it was just us and our imaginations and our letters pages. Can, can I ask, why Wolverine? And do you remember being like, this is the guy? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I share that through line with you with the animated series, number one. So when I read Wolverine, I read him in the voice from the animated series. So (laughs) Storm also, I think, and and Rogue too. Yeah, the animated series voices are in my head for sure. Gambit's forever like ingrained in my brain. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) For sure. Okay, so for me, my parents were immigrants. They're from Ghana in West Africa. And being... Being the children of immigrants, you know, growing up, I really was always like a step behind contemporary American culture because my first cultural experience was Ghanaian. That's where my family's from. And I, I kind of grew up in, in like a mini Ghana in my house. So I really didn't get all the social cues immediately. And my name was, uh, you know, a little interesting for people. I wasn't really athletic. I was, and I got made fun of a lot for all kinds of different reasons for for my name, for my heritage, for uh, for just not knowing like what was pop culturally cool in in the moment. And so, and then as an only child and all those different things, I really just felt very much, you know, like a loner. Here was Wolverine, a loner who kind of like, you know, he also was a little weird. And, um, uh, <laughs> and but he, unlike me, he was really strong, you know, at that time. So like I could project those qualities onto myself. We were doing like this cross projection, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So he became super important to me. I, I mean, I'm looking at this, uh, you know, toy, uh, this statue. Is it is it a statue once you become a grown up or is it still a toy? I don't know. <laughs> but um, anyway, I've got it. I'm looking at my Wolverine uh toy statue <laughs> right now <laughs> if, like, it, yeah, if it moves around it's a toy yeah okay so I'm, I'm looking at my it's my collector's edition wolverine toy over here in my room um like yeah that's my guy yep <laughs> i grew to be much taller than wolverine but you know oh yeah right there yep i've got him in the classic all black outfit yeah oh i have at least four different versions of wolverine i have <laughs> I have his current Krakoan age like action figure. Nice, I have nice. his like Jim Lee era one. I have Fire. his cowboy one. I have old man Logan. You got cl- oh. you got claws, claws. What? Ryan just pulled out his claws. I just oh. forgot oh that. Yeah, I have a set of Wolverine claws that my I mind hang is up. Blown. I hang on my uh, so my cool. set behind me, and I was like, oh yeah, I should have grabbed these already, but. <laughs> Yeah, these were in yeah. my desk at Marvel for the longest time, wow. which is super dangerous. HR, don't come <laughs> at me. These are very sharp, are they very pointy, metal? exceptionally dangerous metal. What? This yeah. makes it so much better that you forgot you had them until just now. You're like, oh, right, my retractable adamantium claws. <laughs> I bought a house a year and change ago, and I have swords positioned at every door and like i have these claws because i'm just a crazy person who's like well just in case i know where there's weapons yeah i i no i've got a big sword on my bed and i've got some swords around the house so yeah you get it it's just one of those things it is is. we we do that sword under my bed i think it's a i think it's a 42 year old guy thing oh that makes sense but maybe we'll be issued them as we get closer. Yeah, yes, once you yes, hit yes, 40, yes. someone will come by and be like, be like here you go. It, it, it is time. <laughs> 
<laughs> or just go to New York Comic Con and buy a bunch of swords like this I did ten UK, years ago. Or, yeah, or or Chinatown. And, yeah, yeah. yeah there's places. places. Can we get a, a side chat about where to go get the best <laughs> yeah. swords? I feel like Wolverine would appreciate that personally. I, I, yes, we can definitely, we can definitely do this. Yeah. Okay. So here's something that I, I'm, I'm very curious about because Wolverine, you, you've mentioned multiple times, is your favorite. Um, but when I think of Wolverine, I think of like Berserker Rage, uh-huh. and you are a meditation coach. And yeah. Just listening to your voice and like seeing you now, you're very like chill and calm and like <laughs> like i can see why you're the voice of the the balance app like i uh, love hearing your voice right now thank you um but i'm 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 trying to draw the connection there <laughs> and when i was younger i also had a lot of anger because you know going back to those same reasons right i just i felt um so powerless you know as 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 a kid you know i was just kind of a nerdy roly-poly bullied immigrant kid honestly you know and so i'd get bullied i get pushed to the to a point and i would really kind of flip out a little bit and you know start swinging on people and 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 kind of go into that you know wolverine mode i don't know how effective it was i would find that place sometimes i would find that deeply angry aggressive place that um i connected with wolverine however Wolverine is like a is also like a deeply spiritual character. You know, he is constantly in the pursuit of peace. Like the the rage, the anger, his the berserker quality, his um his history as a as um as a mercenary, as an agent, all that stuff. He doesn't really want any of it. Now, he'd much rather be, you know, in the Canadian wilderness or with Mariko in Japan, like living like a quiet life, like, you know, in nature, drinking tea. Like I like you you see that that's really where Wolverine's heart is. That connection uh with Wolverine and his meditative side is something is probably the strongest these days. It's the thing that I connect with him the strongest yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many great images of Wolverine, you know, sitting lotus position, sort of like trying to calm the beast. And I, I think all of what you're saying is so, so true about Wolverine. And that's also partially what makes him such a great hero is mm. that he's been turned into this nightmarish weapon. He's been manipulated his entire life. He, he can kill instantly and do all these horrible things, but he chooses to help people and and he wants to just not do any of this he wants to yeah. be left alone he wants his own privacy but he chooses to help and to save people more often than not that is that's like that like spider-man you know we, we talk about spider-man is like i do this because i can you know it's right. like well, wolverine does this because he can and, yeah. and he should but like i think part of that too is like yes he can kill but he would rather take that burden on himself than to let someone else carry that burden. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is also very powerful. I'm not advocating for, for murder at all. <laughs> uh, but I think that it is something that's like powerful for him to like, he he's very aware and self like self-aware in that sense where he's like, look, I know what it, what it costs. And like, I don't want that for anybody else. So I've already done it. Like I can do it. I love the way you describe him uh, as a man of peace because I love how that highlights that Wolverine is compelling because he wants peace, but he has to struggle for it. And we watch him struggle for it over and over and over and like want to be a better man over and over and over. Um, Not because that comes easily to him, but because it does not come easily and he knows what he wants. And he, like you said, he gets all these messages about what kind of person he's supposed to be. And he has to over and over reframe and figure out what he wants and where he's going and how he can get there. Uh, and it's funny because I normally think of my favorite side of Wolverine is his I am mentoring young women in a beautiful, non-creepy way forever. Like that's <laughs> first, I don't know why that's his thing, but he's very good at it. And I love him for it so much. Um, and I have typically not always responded as much to solo Wolverine stuff as I do when he's buddied up with someone. Yeah, but I love right. everything y'all are saying is reminding me why really just by himself, he's already got so much going on. There is so much richness there. That is, you know what though? See, okay, so he's so multidimensional. I love that about Wolverine too. He is like a very unproblematic male character <laughs> when it comes to mentoring young women from Katie Pride and Jubilee 
even rogue um, at times. And yeah, 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 you're right. When you say that, it makes me think of similar experiences. So like Wolverine had a very traumatic childhood. We see in the the origin storyline where what happens with his his parents and stuff like that. So going and going from being a kid and losing his parents and having all this trauma early on and then, you know, years and years later, he comes into that feeling of being a parent very strongly. And I think he wants to give back something that he didn't fully get because I, I feel that way as someone who didn't have a father growing up and now being a dad, it's like, I want everything for my daughter. And I think of, you know, like there's similarities in that the way you think about things and how you, you want to give back and, and, and help others, whether they're your family or, you know, people who you are close with in other ways. So that might be part of it. And I, I hadn't thought of it in that way before, Amy. So thank you for that. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> but we're not only talking about Wolverine because he's your favorite. We're also talking about Wolverine because you picked a particular Wolverine story yeah. um, for our reading club this week. So I want to move towards that. Um, yep, we're yep. talking about Wolverine, uh, the miniseries from 1982, issues number one through four, written by Chris Claremont, pencils by Frank Miller, colors by Glennis Ween and Lynn Varley, inks by Joseph Rubenstein and Bob Wyacek, letters by Tom Orzakowski. Osofu, can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, besides the fact that Wolverine's your favorite, can you tell us a little bit about why you picked this short series? This series has everything. I mean, especially as a as a young person, but just in general. I mean, it has it has Wolverine, obviously. It has modern Japan, but with ninjas, you know, Wolverine in Japan. I mean, just that alone is amazing. But you have like Wolverine in love. You have Wolverine being put face to face with his honorable side and his and the way the world perceives him like like him being in japan and the way that like shingen speaks about him and perceives him the way that the the bad guy sorry if, if in case people don't know the book mm. but the way he's perceived by the villain here is just like you know you're just a dog and it causes him to for for whatever reason he's probably been called those things a billion times but for whatever reason he really it really gets under his skin but yeah i just think that there's so much foundational lore about wolverine in this miniseries and it's just awesome if it's okay there's one section in this miniseries when wolverine's chasing yukio and he comes up on this, you know, band of ninjas inside this like Zen mm -hmm. uh, temple mm -hmm. museum kind of place. You know, he lands in this Zen garden. So Wolverine, you know, kills all the ninjas, but he's also dismayed by how much the Zen garden has been uh, disturbed. And he looks down at it, and he and he 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 connects with the destruction of the Zen garden with his own life, and he kind of goes into this whole like you know, all I do is disrupt serenity. All I do is, 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 you know, dismantle peace. But then he puts his hands down on the pebbles and smooths them. And it's like, you know, well, wait a second. Yeah, it's disrupted, but it can be smoothed. And um, like, can I just read this real yeah, quick? Please. Okay. So he says, um, I smooth the stones, new patterns emerge, chaos becomes order, the wheel turns. And from that order, peace Maybe, perhaps that's the answer. The key isn't winning or losing. It's making the attempt. I may never be what I ought to be, want to be, but how will I know unless I try? Sure, it's scary, but what's the alternative? Stagnation, a safer, more terrible form of death, not of the body, but of the spirit. An animal knows what it is and accepts it. A man may know what he is, but he questions, he dreams, he strives, changes, grows and then he makes this decision in the next panel and says you know you took my dreams away from me shingen but only for a time because i'm a man not a beast a man yeah that uh and, and so i just felt like it was such a definitive moment and we all whether we've had that kind of internal talk with ourselves before it happens i think to everybody where you are, you come to a crossroads and you're just like, you know what? Maybe I was doubting myself. Maybe 
my self-talk has been terrible. Maybe I was believing all the things that like my parents or my friends or spouse, or, you know, people or, or anybody who didn't believe in me, maybe I was believing all that. But you know what, though? You, screw that. I choose to believe that there's something more inside me, that there's something deeper within me. Yeah. And I think Claremont's script right there is so good. It's everything you're talking about. And then you have to factor in the other side of the equation. Why this is so good is it has one of, there's probably like four or five throughout this limited series, real close-ups that yes. Frank does, Frank Miller does on Wolverine's face. It opens on one of them in the, the series. And this is the very end of issue three for anybody reading you can, if you had no words there, you could see that Wolverine is sort of coming to an inner peace and like sort of making some decisions. Like that's the beauty. What one of the things, you know, we think about with comics is how much can you understand if there are no words here? Mm -hmm. If you are just leafing through, do you get the essence of the story? And without question, I think you do. You see, he is going through something internally and coming to a point. And all of that is is written large upon his face. You know, when when Frank Frank has you know a bevy of styles that he employs, and when he does these extreme close-ups, there's so such meticulous detail oh. to the the little wrinkles, the sort of the the eyebrows, the way the like direction of his eyes. Everything is so perfectly placed. It is. It's immaculate. In this sequence, you don't see his eyes, and it isn't until he he changes or he hits that climax of what you just read, Fosu, where like he hits that moment of self realization, and like then we get to see that full close up. We get to see his eyes, like he, his face is no longer like in the shadow, which I think is just adds to it even more. I love that you pulled this moment out, especially as someone who has an uh, an actual background with some of the ideas that he's engaging with here. Yeah. And I also love the the way that this highlights. This is going to sound maybe not super exciting, but the structural perfection of this miniseries. Yes. Um, what they get done in four issues, each of which Amazing. has an incredibly clear theme of of sort of like confronting this challenge hitting a real low point, kind of giving into it for a while, and then encountering new information and circumstances that get you at the exact, we've got one issue left, uh, we, what have we learned so far? And it's this perfect, like, dark night of this old, you know, moment of clarity for Wolverine that leads us into, all right, with this new understanding, he's back, his head's in the game, we're going to yeah. wrap it up. And it, it sounds... Uh, sort of business-like when you lay it out like that, but it's this beautiful underlying poetry of, of moving everything around so that each issue is different from every other issue, but they make this seamless journey that brings Wolverine from one point to another um, while just sort of, you know, revealing who he has been all along. Uh, yeah. So it just impresses the heck out of me, you know. For me too, and I think in any art form, and I think, I think ultimately in anything, if you have a really solid um, structure or the fundamentals are really in place, it then gives so much room for the, for the art or the flair or the, you know, all the, uh, all the intangibles to, to, to shine. I also like how the miniseries exposes for us. We already know Wolverine's a good person. We're pretty sure by the end of this, he's going to work some stuff out, but we get to watch that happen in front of us while the story gives us hints of, of sort of, at some point starts to believe maybe he is an irredeemable animal. But even as we're watching that happen, we're seeing him contrasted against Yukio, uh, delight of my heart, a uh, beautiful invention in addition to the Marvel Universe that we meet in this series, yeah. um, where it's like, actually, he's he's leaving a bunch of people nearly dead. She's leaving knives in everybody she sees <laughs> she um, really? and really reveling in it in a wanton destruction that sort of lets us... You know, we can triangulate that. We're like, all right, whatever he believes about himself, we are being shown these examples of sort of who he is that help us to understand how we'll get there. But they do it through cool action scenes. <laughs> That's another wonderful point. Yeah, Yukio is actually the more brutal of the two. In the collected edition that uh, I know Jasmine and I have, it's the, the current printing is the deluxe edition, which includes those Uncanny X-Men issues. It... Uh, at the back, the back matter of the book includes the Chris Claremont's introduction from the original printing of the trade paperback in 1987. Wow. Uh, Frank Miller's uh, afterward, which is like four paragraphs long, is like read comics. It's great. It's like super <laughs> succinct and just like cool. I did this thing, um, and then uh, a, like a later day afterward by Chris Claremont. But uh, I've I've read this this 
introduction a couple of times where Chris recounts how they came up with the story. It was coming from San Diego Comic-Con in would have been probably like 80 or 81. Um, they were driving back to Los Angeles. Frank Miller and Chris Claremont in a rental car, which right there, I'm just like, wow. I would watch Give that movie. Oh yeah, right. It's yes. so cool. And they were just they just started like after being bored for a little while, they started talking about what to do together and what kind of idea. And they started talking about Wolverine and and all this stuff. And the, there's a bunch of great quotes and bits in here and talking about the samurai aspects and and how they wanted to do things that, you know, Wolverine has been this popular character for, you know, less, you know, almost 10 years mm-hmm. at this point because he's he's berserker and he's, he's ferocious and all these cool things. And he's the bad boy and blah, blah, blah. But they um, they they said that um, Wolverine's lost a crucial edge that he isn't the wild man psycho butcher he used to be. He's gotten too rational, too normal. He's lost the part of him that made him special and unique um, these days. Uh, and they they say it may be that they have a point. I don't know. It seems to me that a character cannot remain static ever, even an ongoing open ended publishing format like comics. And then talking about how you have to have a character who lives and breathes and, and grows and changes. Yeah. And I think that that part is so good. And there's also a bit in here. Uh, the only story parameter we acknowledged at the time was that we wanted to utterly, ruthlessly, and seemingly irrevocably destroy him. And then maybe make him better. But even that was open to challenge, depending on how our discussions of his character went. And so, like, they just wanted to hurt Wolverine. And knowing enough comic creators, they're all sadistic monsters like this. And <laughs> it's good. It's good for us to have these stories. Makes for good stories. Yes. It does. And they... they, they... Solve for the challenge of writing for somebody that who is as tough as Wolverine is, because what you what you really want to do is not just beat them up, although they do that very impressively, but figure out what do they really have to lose. And for Wolverine, it's it's love and respect combined in the person of one like one loved one who reflects his own self-respect. So he kind of he loses all of that simultaneously. Um, and it it's that's where he, you know, he's just as weak as any regular human, uh, in the sense that I don't really think emotion is weakness, but please go with me on the uh metaphor-ish, whatever <laughs> yeah. version of that I'm saying. Uh you can hurt him that way because he's got the biggest heart in the world. Um, and because he really cares whether he's a bad dude inside. Um, and therefore it's super dramatic. Thank you for being mm-hmm. sadistic jerks, Claremont and Miller. <laughs> <laughs> that brings up a good point because I was also taken by how much they stripped back his healing ability and made him just more vulnerable. I mean, he loses to Shingen. You, you never think of Wolverine losing to a mortal character, like, to, you know, to a non-mutant character in a in a one-on-one fight, you know? But yeah, I mean, even Yukio kicks him and knocks him out. Like, I'm like, your skull is made of adamantium, Wolverine. Like, Yeah, but that brain is just going between that adamantium. Pinball machine. And the other thing too is like, Fosu, you were talking about like, we watch Wolverine lose and you kind of talked about this fight, but at the end of issue one, when he first fights Shingen, he loses, but he he doesn't lose like necessarily physically as much as like he just loses like he loses the girl like he they fight with wooden swords to begin with and he falls into the trap like he falls into a trap where everybody thinks that it's just like a mock fight or like a play fight and he realizes that shingen is like going for like deathly blows and in response he pops his claws and swipes at him and even though he doesn't like maybe like draw blood he's it still looks like what are you doing we're fighting with swords you're you're fighting with swords and you're pulling your claws out like like have more honor and like i thought that was such a clever way to like show loss without having to spell it out like almost like in a 3d chess type of way where it's like you're playing a longer game here Mm -hmm. and you got played yeah man can i talk to y'all about comics all the time like this this is a, <laughs> this is a, this is an awesome discussion yeah for real though i mean i it, it was really sad you know we, mm-hmm. we're just getting into it you right we're just mm-hmm. we're, but it was it's like oh man dang wolverine they got you but they and they made you look like you did something wrong oh it well, i felt so bad for him in that moment yeah yeah yeah. yeah, the whole situation that those opening, you know, like that first issue is just chock a block full of of 
upsetting things. And, you know, when he when he goes to Mariko and she's like, please leave me. You can't be here. Mm -hmm. And then he turns her around and she's like she's bruised and she's been abused. And I was just like, I'm going to pop my claws right now. I'm going to stab this guy in the face just the same. Like the rage that oh, it's beautiful and it's sad and it's horrifying. And what happens to Noboru is good. Yeah, <laughs> it is a good thing. It is a good thing. We are happy about that for sure. Ah, uh, this is awesome. Um, Fosu, before we let you go, um, I had a question about like you. You were talking about how you got into meditation and stuff like that. For someone who's looking to get into meditation or this this world, like besides comics, what is a, a, a way for them to like get in, into it or like what's the entry point for anybody who wants to get into meditation i have found just through my work with balance that it's really a wonderful tool to use to um to really get in lightly and to come into it with your own um goals in mind so meditation is available to all of us in any particular moment it really comes down to being present and being kind to yourself um, and to the world around you. Beautifully said. If anybody is into music, my artist name is Born I, B-O-R-N, space, the letter I. Uh, please check out my album in this moment. And, um, and if you have young kids, uh, my book, uh, Love Your Amazing Self, it comes out in November. So yeah, all kinds of stuff going on. Love it. Thank you so much again for joining us. This was fantastic. Jasmine, Amy, Ryan, this was so awesome. Y'all are amazing. I love how y'all work together. And uh, thanks for having me. It's a huge honor. You're welcome, bub. This was so fun. All right. Big thanks to Born Eye and Amy and everybody, of course, Jasmine, um, for that reading club. And uh, yeah. And for you, for hanging in there with me. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Kara McGurk-Allison. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is Marvel's Pull List senior manager of audio production and development. And I know, I know Brad is going to come back and say, I refuse your award name this week because I, Brad Barton, only choose hot grapes and a cold mouth. We know you, Brad. We see you. I'm Ryan. And this is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>